to Better Done Than Perfect, a podcast for SaaS founders and product people. Today, our awesome guest is Lauren Meyer, Chief Marketing Officer at Socket Labs, and we're going to talk about email deliverability, the scary topic. This show is brought to you by Userlist, an email automation platform for SaaS companies. It matches the complexity of your customer data, including many-to-many -many relationships between users and companies. Book your demo call today at userless.com. Hey, Lauren. Hi. How's it going? Not so scary. We'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited to have you, the ultimate email geek if I'm pronouncing <laughs> it right. That's your Twitter. That's your Twitter handle. I'm not inventing it. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what Socket Labs do and what you do there and what you have been doing up to this point. You've been in email for like 16 years by now? Yeah, I've been in email for 16 years. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I've kind of been mostly on the sender side for that whole time. So, um, you know, I've been sending emails myself as a marketer a bit earlier in my career. I've been helping people with deliverability issues. I've mostly worked for a lot of different ESPs, so email service providers over the years as well. Um, and, and so I think that's where most of my time really was spent in the trenches of deliverability, compliance, anti-abuse, really just trying to kind of make sure that my customers were able to hit the inbox, but also in certain cases, like trying to help prevent spammers and fishers and other nefarious actors from kind of getting onto my platform and then sending some bad emails from our platform. So really kind of all over the map there. So now I'm working at Socket Labs. And I think ultimately all of those years that I spent in the deliverability and compliance trenches have really led me to these roles where I understand what is required to hit the inbox. And I really want to help other customers do that. And Socket Labs, our mission is ultimately to kind of not just help direct senders be able to excel at email and hit the inbox, but also just for service providers, right? So if you're a marketing automation platform, if you're a CDP, if you're, I don't know, a healthcare CRM, and you need to get emails over to your customers' customers, making that really, really easy. Because I think that's all the platforms that have been built today really are for direct senders. And so if you're somebody who's trying to kind of build on top of that, there's a lot of other pieces that you still need to build, right? Like I think email service providers really are just kind of the engine of the car. And we want to facilitate all the other aspects of the car. Amazing. Running an email service provider here. So it's like a match made in heaven for us to talk today. It's amazing. <laughs> it yeah. And we don't use Socket Labs, but having a conversation with you before, like it, it sounds like we definitely could have. And I love the angle you bring to this all because somehow indeed those sending services do serve both individual direct senders, how you name them, and service providers. So these are not created equal. Yeah, I would definitely say not. And I think that's from the outside view. People who are just trying to hit send and reach their customers think that's very, very easy to do. They think it's very not complicated, but there is so much activity that's happening between when you hit send and when that message lands in the inbox or maybe goes to the spam folder or gets dropped on the floor somewhere within the inbox provider, right? Yeah, we're really trying to make that super simple, straightforward for, for people. If you've got a problem, understanding what that problem is, how to solve it. And then get you back and running without you having to kind of just completely wreck your day or your week and spend a ton of time fixing email problems. I love how you said, you know what it takes for the email to be delivered. So you're helping your customers to do that. So first you need to help them understand, and then you need to help them do that. So that involves two layers. 
maybe we can peel the first layer off today and at least our listeners can understand what it takes for the email to hit the inbox after you hit send in your ESP email automation platform, for example. For sure. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great question. Cause I think there's, you know, there's again, it's it people think it's very, very easy to hit the inbox, but there's so there's literally hundreds of factors that are impacting whether that mail is going to, to go to the inbox or not. And that's the trick is we don't always know what the mailbox providers are looking at. Like figure there are thousands, millions probably of different mailbox providers that senders are, are trying to hit the inbox with, right? So each of those is trying to do right by their recipients. They're trying to make their users very happy with their email experience. I would love us to focus on deliverability factors a bit later, but now let's just walk through the listeners through the mechanics of how an email is delivered. Because it's not obvious that email service providers are using another service to send email. Like that's the basic truth that we all know. But then when you hit send, what what happens? What signal goes where and what information um, gets parsed? Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I think it's probably helpful to sort of think about this like a phone conversation, right? So you start by maybe you enter somebody's phone number, there's a dial, you know, there's a ringtone, we kind of see if it connects to an actual phone number. And then from there, hopefully somebody picks up the phone. So that's a good step. Once they do, they say hello. And then you say, hi, is so-and-so there? And then they say yes, or they say no, or they say that person doesn't live here. I don't know who you're talking about. So it's like, there's there's all these kind of steps back and forth bet- before you eventually kind of get yourself into the inbox. And so I think that's there's a ton of data that's being passed back and forth. There's, there's literally just tons and tons of steps that are happening that these two machines are kind of talking to each other. And on that way in, it's like, you know, they're, they're checking at the front door to see if you're authenticating, basically to kind of figure out if you're really you. And so figure they're looking at authentication protocols to be like, okay, well, you say that you're from user list. Are you actually the user list or are you somebody else who's pretending to be user list? Okay, cool. We think we've got enough confidence to let your mail into our system, right? And then from there, that's when you start to kind of almost run this race where you're kind of running over hurdles of different spam filters. So they're checking, again, they're still checking the authentication. They're checking your IP reputation, your domain reputation. They're checking the reputation of links within your email. All of these little steps, they're checking what the past user reaction has been to mails that you've sent. So all of this stuff is happening. They're looking for, again, signs that your mail is maybe malicious maybe just unwanted by users, maybe just a little bit too spammy, something like that. And then they're finally delivering that either to the inbox because they think that you deserve it. Or they're like, you know, we think your mail is legitimate, but we still don't think the person you're sending to actually wants that mail. So we're going to send it to the spam folder instead. Or there's this third option where sometimes your mail kind of gets black holed, as they call it. And in those cases, figure it's like they've let you into their system because they thought initially that your mail looked pretty legit. And then something between that, that the transient period where they're trying to decide what to do with it, they decide, no, your mail is actually not as good as we thought it was. We're going to, no, we're not going to deliver that to our user. That feels risky to them. So there's all of this stuff that's happening. There's all these decisions that are being made. And I think it's really important for people to understand that mailbox providers are doing this with machines, right? It's not Bob sitting in the basement at Gmail who's like, hey, this looks a little spammy. Let's send that to the spam folder or reject it. It's algorithms. It's things that are trained to say, this looks normal. These patterns are normal. These patterns are abnormal, or we've deemed them to be risky because somebody else has abused them in the past. And so it's like, it's really just a matter of you trying to show as many positive signals to mailbox providers as possible to say, I am legit. This user wants it. They probably signed up for it. 
and try to reduce all the negative signals as possible. So it's kind of just doing as many things right as, as you can. There was a Twitter thread lately uh, where an engineer, and we're going to link to the Twitter thread because I don't remember their name. An engineer complained really hard that these days email is desperately screwed because you can't host your own email these days anymore. Like you could host your website. And then there was a response from Patrick McKenzie, PTO11, saying that that is exactly why we can still survive and that our inbox is looking legit instead of being filled with very unwanted uh, yes. like bulk email. So there is a balance to this and I'm really grateful there are professionals out there making this happen. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, and I think, you know, that I feel the plight of people who are trying to run their own mail servers and I think that the challenge is just there is so much complexity to that part of that world. It's not just, you know, having your authentication set up. It's also just making sure that you're handling bounce handling. You know, there's, there's bounce handling that needs to be done. So imagine one provider gives you a message that says, you know, this mail has been blocked because it's spam. And there's a bunch of codes before that and after that. And it's supposed to be standardized, but it's anything from standardized from one mailbox provider to the next, the bounce message that you might see is really hard to classify in some cases. Some of them are very specific. A lot of them are very vague. And so there's just this nuance of what does this one mean and what should I do with it? Should I send to that, that recipient again? Do I think it might be successful? Or should I try again later? Or should I never try again because I think that that's an invalid address or that's just a destination that's never going to let me into their system, right? So it's like, there's just, there's bounce handling, there's you know, there's certain aspects of delivery. Like imagine there's something called concurrent connections. So think of it almost like you've got this, uh, this octopus that can connect with multiple arms versus you can just push everything through one arm. Certain providers are very particular about how many concurrent connections they'll allow you to make to their system. So if you're overloading their servers, they may see that as an attack or they may just be annoyed by it and say, we're not going to deliver that mail because you're just stressing our system out, right? So it's like, with every single destination that you're sending to, I mean, everybody's sending to Gmail and Hotmail and kind of like those big box providers. But as you work your way farther down that tail into the corporate domains, the educational domains, the government domains, the domains you've never even heard of, you're, you're trying to kind of figure out what that mail server cares about. And in some cases, their system's very complex. They're looking at hundreds of, of different factors and it's all in real time and it's all automated and there's AI that's helping make, make sure it's up to date. In other cases, it's one IT guy who has a very particular way of doing things and he set his system up to be very aggressive and, and really block a lot of mail and you need to be whitelisted with your IP to get into the system or something like that. So it's like, it, you really need to understand kind of the inner workings of what that destination requires in order to get in. So think of it almost like, you know, if you're going to a restaurant, some restaurants require a, a really nice dress code and you've got to wear a blazer or something like that if you're a man. Other places don't care if you even have a shirt on at all, right? So it's like you need to kind of to comply with the standards of the destinations that you're sending to. And I think that's something that oftentimes small mail providers are just, you're not seeing enough volume to be able to understand the traffic shaping that's happening and then react to it appropriately. Maybe you don't have the knowledge to do that. Maybe you just don't have the resources. Like, you know, there's a problem, but it's super low on your list of priority because you only send to a couple addresses at that destination versus others. There's just a lot of things going on that really you have to be really excellent at. So it makes it really difficult for, for those, those folks doing it on their own. Is the biggest difficulty at the level of the accepting email server mm -hmm. um, or do email clients also have 
something to do with that. That is kind of a whole nother <laughs> level of complexity because I think, you know, it's really important to, to understand that with deliverability, right? Like, again, the mailbox providers are trying to deliver a really positive experience to their users, right? So they're only surfacing messages that they think that their users are going to find value in, in some way. And so figure if your message is optimized for all the different browsers and devices and email clients and all these things, then it's more likely that recipients are going to engage positively with that mail. Like it's going to show up, it's going to look beautiful, it's going to arrive on time, and they're going to open, they're going to click, they're going to convert, they're going to do all these positive things that mailbox providers are looking for, and they're not going to mark your mail as spam or unsubscribe or ignore it, right? So I think it's it's part of the package with deliverability. It doesn't have a direct impact most of the time, but it does it does influence the recipient reaction, which is super important. We had so much to talk about and we didn't even start on defining <laughs> like deliverability, which was supposed to be the first item on our list. It was, yes. <laughs> so tell us the difference between delivery, email delivery and email deliverability, because these are different things. Yes, they are. And I'm glad you asked that because oftentimes you'll hear these terms used interchangeably. In fact, some mail platforms, some email platforms sort of, they, they give you this deliverability rate and people use it as a proxy. And so like when you're talking to them, they're like, man, my deliverability rate is low. And I have to kind of clarify, like, are you talking about your delivery rates, which is actually your ability to get messages into the mailbox provider servers? And so figure the cool part about that is they actually give you feedback, right? At the end of that attempt to send, they will give you a response, either a favorable one that says the mail has been accepted into the receiver's or they'll give you a negative response that says, we've rejected that mail. And, and here's a little bit of a, of a code that tells you why. But with deliverability, that's kind of, that's all the steps after that point when they've accepted the mail into their servers. And they don't give you any feedback to tell you if the message went to the inbox, if it went to the spam folder, if it got dropped, it's just sort of up to your interpretation. And so that's where ESPs and, and deliverability monitoring tools are trying to make use of all the signals that we have access to, to try to help you assess that. So I figure we're looking at, your engagement data, like your opens and clicks and your unsubscribes, your complaints, and trying to get a picture of what the, the user is doing. We're looking at the delivery rate to see if the mail even was received into those servers. We're looking at third-party signals as well. So figure, you know, Google has a Postmaster site where they'll actually tell you what your IP reputation is looking like, what your domain reputation looks like. Microsoft has a tool called SNDS that's very similar that kind of tries to give you like a red, yellow, green of technically like what your ability to hit the inbox is going to be. So we're trying to kind of factor in all of these different things to say your future ability to hit the inbox is around a 96 out of 100, which is pretty good, right? So like, imagine that's that seems like a good rating, but it's not really based in reality because it's not actually any feedback that's coming from the mailbox providers. It's really just a very educated guess on behalf of the email service provider. And I think that's where every email service provider is not the same. There are some that are fantastic and they really pay attention to the data and they're constantly optimizing. There's others that have been kind of stood up and, and sort of forgotten, and they're, they're really not paying attention to what's happening within the data. So it's just really important when you're looking at those deliverability scores to understand kind of how that sausage has been made a little bit to see, like, is that informing on things that you care about, right? Is that score built only based on opens or something, right? Like, that's a very basic score compared to something that's maybe looking at 10, 15, 35 different factors to try to get at that answer. Speaking of factors, mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's recap the key ones and uh, 
let's maybe start with authentication, like you mentioned sure. already. Yeah. And I, I want to kind of start with the fact that authentication is incredibly technical. In fact, most people get an ice cream headache just thinking about it, let alone trying to implement authentication. But really what we're talking about here, think of authentication kind of as like your driver's license, your passport, the thing that really lets mailbox providers and recipients when they see that mail know that the mail is actually coming from the real you as opposed to somebody who's pretending to be you to sort of fool your users into giving away information or, or do something nefarious, right? Download their malware or something like that. So it's authentication is, is sort of like the first step. I would say it's a foundational element that is meant to really just protect you as a sender and say, I am Lauren. I'm Lauren. I'm sending you mail. This is actually coming from me. And so I think that the main protocols to worry about here, I would love to kind of just mention the three, the, the main types of, of authentication that are important. So the first one is, is SPF. The second one is DKIM. And the third one is called DMARC. And hopefully we can kind of put some links in the show notes or something to kind of just give people some information. Most definitely. I would say, awesome. Yeah. And I think really it's, it's important that you're setting these up. SPF and DKIM really help ensure that the mail does seem like it's coming from you. DMARC is more of kind of a monitoring protocol. So it's meant to kind of say, just for you to be aware of, of who's sending on behalf of, of your brand, whether it's you or whether it's some kind of fan, spammer or fisher, and, and just be aware of, of if your mail is passing authentication or if it's failing. And I don't want to say too much more because it's, it's quite technical, but I think that's start by asking your email service provider about this stuff, because there is nuance to the way that you should set up your different records. They should be able to guide you in the right way to do that. If not, please come find me because I can, I can definitely give you some resources on, on what to do there. That actually relates to people who are sending marketing email and, well, obviously transaction email, but also personal email through clients. Yes. Because even then you can still get like unsigned email, which is going to like in my client, it's displayed with a purple exclamation mark. And I can see that coming with from very reputable friends. Like sometimes I feel like telling them sometimes because <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing to nerd out about it. But uh, yeah, think about it. Yeah. And this is where I think, you know, email service providers should be setting this stuff up for you. If you're sending through them, let's say if you're sending through Gmail or Yahoo or one of those top providers, they're also setting up authentication for you. So it's just, there's a lot of nuance behind it. So it does, it does matter. And I think that's, there are ways to look at the email headers and see there's certain things where it'll say pass or fail for your DKIM or your SPF or things like that. So it's like, you can look it up, but it's, it's very technical. So you kind of just need to know what you're looking for. The mechanics would be going to your domain hosting mm -hmm. service. Am I that's saying true. it right? Yes. Yep. Adding records there mm -hmm. and then making sure that is confirmed in your email client. So it's not only happening in the client, but also in the domain provider. Correct. Yep. Other factors. Okay, cool. So I think um, one that I kind of want to just throw out here is showing up unannounced. And I want to kind of clarify that in some cases, this is going to be somebody who's just not getting permission from someone before you're hitting send. And I think this is where, like, imagine, you know, if somebody shows up to your front door at your house and just starts knocking and you're like, who is this person? What are they doing here? I don't know. Like, you're going to be a little bit wary. The inbox is not as intimate as your front door, but people still really respect their inbox and want you to respect it as well. And so if they don't know who you are, if they've never heard from you, maybe they're aware of who your brand is and they know they haven't signed up. Those things will really incite anger in people, which is going to lead to spam complaints. And spam complaints are just about the most damaging thing for deliverability, right? They are a signal directly from the user that says, 
I don't want this mail, right? And mailbox providers can't know if a recipient has actually opted in to receive mail or not. They're really just looking at the signals of how that person reacts to the mail. So it's just for you, make sure that you are getting permission before you're releasing or, or really just if you're going to do cold email, I very strongly recommend it because it is spam. You're sending unsolicited messages to people. But if you're going to do it, make sure that it is highly targeted, relevant, that it truly is providing value. Don't just guess or say, oh, if, if you're not the right person, can you send me on to the right person? Like, understand that people are busy and every email in their inbox is something for them to have to kind of figure out what to do with. And that's exhausting sometimes when you're getting pitched a lot. So make sure if you're pitching that you're pitching really well. But but honestly, like even if you're even if you did get people to sign up, like setting expectations about what they're going to receive from you, right? Is it newsletter content? Is it coupons? Is it something completely different? Like they want to understand what to expect from you. Like how often are you going to send to them? All those kind of things. So I think it's just whether showing up announces you really just emailing them out of the blue, or if it's actually just them having not heard from you for six months because you're just really bad at kind of emailing regularly, whatever that looks like, they're going to be really upset about that. So it's just, yeah, again, spam complaints, super damaging to deliverability. Make sure you keep those as low as humanly possible. You're going to love it when people are opening and clicking, but if they're marking as spam right after that, that's not a good thing for your delivery. Glad that you mentioned cold outreach uh, because our favorite recommendation is to do this from a separate domain name. Just, I'm seeing you shake your head here, <laughs> and I would love to have a qualified comment here. Sure. Okay. So in the past, I would say that recommendation has worked, but think about literally an example in your lives of how technology has just become so advanced over the years, mailbox providers and the way that they filter mail and the number of eyes that they have on you throughout the digital world is, is expanded greatly over the last many years. So they're not just looking at your domain anymore. They're looking at your IPs. They're looking at your content. They can see the breadcrumbs. Like eventually that is going to trace back to you, right? Because in that cold email that you're sending from a random domain, you probably have a link that points to your website or you have physical address at the bottom or you have a mention of your brand name. All of these things are little breadcrumbs that help mailbox providers realize who you really are. And so they are very, Oh no. Oh much no. Less, they're very much less <laughs> forgiving than they used to be about you kind of trying to be squirrely and, and just go and hide behind, you know, some other sender like affiliate mail as well. Even if you're farming that kind of mail out to someone else, it's still somebody sending on behalf of your brand. So first of all, think about the fact that mailbox providers know that at some point you as the brand said, okay, affiliate marketer, you can send on behalf of me. So that still is your decision. So still you're responsible for that, that spam if they're spamming on your behalf. But also think about that customer perspective, right? The person that you're sending to, that's a human that's sitting there behind that computer and you need to remember that. You need to be thoughtful about the email that you're sending, the tactics you're using. Don't trick them. People are not stupid and they get really upset when you try to trick them. So it's like really just if you can do right by email, find ways to provide value to them that get them to sign up for the mail that you're sending, that's going to be much more effective. I know it's a lot harder to do that, but yeah, I just you, you cannot just move to a different domain and assume that that's not going to come back to you. It's just not the way the world works anymore. But does it mean that some other brand like a competitor can launch a spam campaign and uh, ruin your domain reputation? Technically, they could, which is why authentication is super helpful to lock down your brand because figure if uh, they cannot authenticate on behalf of your brand. So if they're sending mail from your domain, 
that's going to that's not going to pass authentication. Not but if, even if you're pretending, your sure, even if you're using but a lookalike link. domain, if yeah, if you're using their link, like, yes, they, they could potentially damage the reputation of those links, which could come back to have some problems for you. And I think that's where when you get into deliverability troubleshooting, when you've got an issue, when you notice you're not hitting the inbox for whatever reason, oftentimes some of the tests you can run are to sort of strip out the content only send with a, a very vague thing, take out the links that are in there, maybe go check out the reputation of those links, see if they're block listed somewhere, see if they have a, a poor reputation, try to get a hold of, is there anybody else who's using this? And I think again, DMARC is, is that protocol I mentioned earlier. This is another way that you can understand who might be sending on behalf of your brand a little bit. Again, that will typically be like if you're if they're using your domain, but really any link that's being used that connects to your brand could have a negative impact on your reputation if, if somebody's doing unsavory things with it. What is the definition of domain reputation? Our favorite saying, like when somebody asks me about, I, I'm not an expert in this. So I say your email is as good as your domain reputation. If you authenticate correctly, and then it's all up to the reputation. What is it? How is it defined? So I think, you know, domain reputation, I mean, it's definitely, it's become much more important over the last many years. Like I think way back in the day when I started an email, it was all about the IP, but now brands really are able to get much more focused on the actual domain. And so it's, it's both of them matter. It's not just the domain. It's also the IP, but it's also just every aspect of even even just the recipient address also has an impact on your deliverability. So imagine even if you're using the same domain and you've got, you know, receipts at userlist.com and you've got marketing at userlist.com, Gmail in particular, Yahoo, those kind of providers, they're able to separate out and see the difference in traffic shaping and volume and user reaction behind each of those different recipient addresses or sender addresses that you're using. It's kind of all of it. And I think that's where like domain reputation, oftentimes people are, are very focused on it as a sender address or as, you know part of the sender address, but it also does trickle down to all of the links that are within your email. So again, if, you, if you're pushing people to your, your website, cool, that's one type of domain. Also factor in all of the little social media links that you're using, just, just literally every piece of content that's within the body of your email. I'm so glad you made a little mistake because when you said the domain reputation depends on the recipient address, I mm -hmm. almost like fell under the table. <laughs> yeah, Thankfully, yeah. sender address, it's good enough. Sender address, that's as far <laughs> as it goes. But even there, over time, recipient addresses do matter as well. And so figure if you are sending to a certain recipient, they never engage with your emails, but Gmail can see that that same recipient does engage with other emails that are hitting their inbox they're going to say, okay, wow, this recipient is very engaged with email. They love email. They just don't love email from you. <laughs> so Ooh. over time, that will start to impact your inbox placement with that specific recipient. And then there's some sort of critical mass point where if they see that same behavior with enough recipients that you're sending to, that's where it starts to push some of your mail to the spam folder at a greater rate. And so it's just kind of like, well, a big, big enough portion of your list seems to not like this stuff. So and that's where it just it kind of it's like that snowball effect, right? It starts with one or two recipients, poof, just keeps going from there. Does every mailbox provider, like Gmail, let's say, mm -hmm. versus others, have their own domain reputation lists, or is there like a universal registry of those? Yeah, it's a bit of both. There's I wouldn't say there's any universal registry, but there's a there's a whole bunch of block lists that that operate out there. I think some of the ones you've probably heard of are like Spam House or Spam Cop or Proofpoint Sorbs is one that people have heard of a lot. They, they tend to kind of list literally kind of everybody in the internet. So um, they're a little bit of, a, of an industry joke, but it, it's 
So there's there's block list providers that are kind of a third party that are saying, we're monitoring, we're seeing people hitting our spam traps. We're seeing that there's spam being sent from this domain or this IP. So we're going to list it. We're going to put that out into, into the world and say, we think this sender is sending spam. And so we're going to say that that's mail that you should not deliver. And then it's the job of the mailbox providers to decide, do they want to take any value from that block listing? Do they find confidence in that? Do they want to include that in their internal anti-spam algorithm? So oftentimes mailbox providers are using a lot of third-party signals, but also a ton of first-party signals together. And they come up with this kind of like ultimate algorithm that you know is weighted, right? So again, spam complaints are probably very high on every mailbox provider's list, but then there's certain ones that maybe are only looking at spam complaints and bounces and maybe like a handful of other signals. Whereas the Gmails, the Yahoo's, the bigger brands of the world, they are literally looking at things that we could not even imagine. Like, you know, are you moving messages to folders? Are you starring them as important? Are you adding that sender to your address book? How quickly do you find, you know, you logged into your, your, your inbox how quickly did you go to that email versus some other, like they're looking at all of these really, really detailed Oof. things and it's, <laughs> we'll never know what those are, which is why as a sender, you just need to use the engagement metrics that you do have access to as like a proxy. So like, you know, look at your open rates, your clicks. If you have access to website data, look at your conversions or see if when you hit send, do you see a spike in website traffic? Like even if you don't see a direct connection between the email engagement if you can still see that there's a lift on your website, like all of those are positive indications that not only are you hitting the inbox, but that the recipients you're sending to are actually engaging with that mail. Also look for those negative signals, like the spam complaints, the unsubscribes, because those are signals from your recipients that they don't like something about what you're sending and you don't know what that is. Again, it could be that they're not expecting to hear from you. It could be that they don't like the mail. They find it irrelevant. Maybe you send way too frequently and that's a problem. They wish you would send, you know, I don't know, weekly, you send daily or five times a day, right? So it's like, we don't know why they're marking a spam or why they're not engaging with your mail, but we're trying to kind of get at that based on the random signals that we have access to. Is there a way to recover a domain reputation that has been for some reason ruined? Yes. And I would say it depends, let's say, because there's <laughs> my favorite term there. It depends on kind of how deep you've dug yourself into that hole first, right? So imagine if you just, if you tend to have a really solid sender reputation so far, right? So you've been sending consistently, you've warmed up your IP, your domain, you, you tend to have good recipient engagement with the mail that you're sending to, and then you make a mistake, right? You send to a list you shouldn't have. You have high spam complaints. You have a huge bounce rate because you sent to a, you know, oh my gosh, that was our that was our suppression list. We shouldn't have sent to that. Something bad happens. If it's a one-off mistake, you're going to get forgiven for that. And it, of course, it depends on how bad that mistake was. So mailbox providers are very forgiving if you've kind of just done some small mistake. And they can actually see the long tail history of your sending activity, which is really helpful because if they can see that you've been doing right by email all this time, then they're going to, they're going to kind of overlook that one time, right? You can kind of reach out to them and say, Hey, my, my mistake. Can you, can you unblock us? That'd be great. There are remediation steps that you can take, but I think that's, if you've been, if you've been doing a lot of things wrong for quite a lot of time, and, and it's just sort of business as usual for you, you keep hitting send, you keep hitting spam traps, you keep having low bounce rates, you keep getting high spam complaints, all of that stuff. It's like, it just, it continues to get worse and you're almost just poking the bear if you keep sending. So I think it's, you need to make sure that when you're identifying issues, fix them very quickly. Don't just keep sending throughout that period. Try to kind of slow down your volume, take a step back, 
and then go really fix the issue that caused the problem. And that's, you know, like if even just, you know, let's, let's pretend you're like, wow, that domain reputation is so bad. I'm just going to move to a new domain. Okay, cool. If you continue doing the same bad actions that you were doing on the past domain, they're going to follow you. That same bad reputation is going to follow you to the new domain. So it's really just fix whatever is broken. Fix the reason why spam traps are ending up on your list. Fix the reason why you're having high spam complaint rates. And then go kind of beg forgiveness to the mailbox provider that you're having a problem with. They say, hey, look, we realized what we were doing wrong. We improved that problem. And then they will give you forgiveness. But I think it really just depends, right? Are you that serial kid in school who's always starting fights and, and always in detention? Or are you a pretty good student who just happened to get involved in that food fight the one day and they can forgive you for it? Let's do a very brief rake on email engagement metrics. Cool. Because you've been mentioning a few sentences back, you've mentioned you should mm -hmm. be opening, uh, like tracking open uh, clicks and subscribes. Yeah. These days, open rates are really a sh shady thing because of privacy. Tell us more. Yes. So I think it's really important for people to understand that open rates have been pretty inaccurate for quite some time. It's not that one-to-one -one relationship that we've been hoping for, but there is still a lot of value to the open rate because even with the new mail privacy protection change that Apple has released and, and the different privacy changes that are impacting the, the quality of the open rates, they don't open messages that go to the spam folder. So when we're talking about deliverability, if you're seeing a really low open rate, and I think it's really important to look at the destination level open rates. This is where the magic happens. Because imagine if you see that your overall open rate is 30%, but then when you look at it, Gmail is 30%, Yahoo is 28%, but Hotmail's at like 10%. That's a very clear indication that you have some sort of inbox placement issue with Hotmail, right? If you're targeting all those different recipients, all those different destinations the same, you should expect pretty similar results. And so I think there's really power to looking at those at the destination level to kind of gauge what your inbox placement is. But beyond that, yeah, when we're talking about open rate as an engagement signal, it's not a great one because you really don't know if that's a human that's opening the mail, if it's a machine that's opening the mail to check and see if that's a legitimate email that's being sent. You're not really sure what's happening there. So I think that's where, when it comes to engagement, really focus more on the clicks that are happening because figure once somebody has opened the mail, bots, they do also sometimes click through on links, but Typically, that's a human-focused event, right? So you've got clicks. If you do have access to conversions, that is magic because you can kind of pair all three of them. So figure if you've got, hey, we, we want to look for people that are opening, that's a sign that maybe that is an active address. We also see that they're clicking, but even if they're not opening or clicking, if you see that they're converting or they're making purchases on your website or they are logging into their user account, things like that, that's a sign that they're still engaging with your brand. And so then they'll be okay with you sending them emails from time to time. I think it really is just when you're sending emails to people for years with no sign of life from their side, you don't see any engagement. That's when it's really going to kind of start to impact your deliverability. And you're also just sending a lot of mail, a lot more than you need to, which is expensive over time. We just had a conversation on a strategy call an hour ago, and we were discussing about like the most reliable ways to track conversions. And man, this is hard for like SaaS engagement specifically. Yes. But at least if you're like converting free account users to paid, you can use like dedicated promo codes and other things that are absolutely reliable because 
they can be tracked in physical world and they're short and stripe and stuff like that. That is more (laughs) for humans. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you raise a really good point there, which is just, I think a lot of times we sort of get stuck with email where it's like, well, if, if the data is not within my email service provider, I don't have access to it. And they forget that you can actually connect the dots yourself. Like even if you're just doing a one-off investigation, some small sample of your data, pull in the conversion data from your website, from that other tool that you're using and kind of compare that and try to sort of put the, the full picture together to make your case to understand, is your email program being effective or not? Lauren, this was amazing. As we're wrapping up, one do and one don't when it comes to email deliverability. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I'm going to start with the don'ts so we can save the good news for last. I guess I would say don't search for tricks or tips or growth hacks to try to increase your inbox placements. It's really important to do right by your email recipients. This is what mailbox providers are trying to do on their side. So don't try to take shortcut to growing your list very large. Focus on quality over quantity. So just, yeah, don't purchase lists. Don't send more emails in place of quality emails that are actually going to resonate with the recipients that you're sending to. Don't shoot first and ask and ask for forgiveness later. Do be thoughtful, be creative about how you're going to encourage your email recipients to engage with your emails and with your brand. And that's good for your deliverability, but it's really also good for building brand loyalty. And that's about the closest thing to a growth hack that you can ask for. It's inspiring some hope for sure, because it's a, <laughs> it's a pretty desperate industry, to be honest. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I think that's just, just be thoughtful about what value you're providing to your email audience, right? Like what is the point why they're engaging with your company to begin with? Start there, start with the goals that your business has, and then build the emails that you're sending around how you can encourage that. How can you lubricate that process to make it easier for them to convert or to get value out of what you're sending? Thank you so much. Where can people find you and uh, Socket Labs online and learn more? Yeah, so SocketLabs.com is probably where you can find out news about the company. We've actually got a really big product launch coming just in about a couple of weeks. So I would say follow us on the social media accounts as well and, and kind of stay tuned for that. If you're looking to connect with me directly, I'm on Twitter. My handle is Lauren Email Geek. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. So just look for Lauren Meyer there. Thank you. It's been amazing. And we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Thanks. Same to you. It was great to be on the show. Thanks for listening. You can find a written recap for this episode at userless.com slash podcast. Please help us grow by leaving a review on iTunes.